Okay, so as, as I mentioned, we'll be in Psalm 110 tonight. And this is a really good psalm. Uh, it's only 12 verses, I think. 10 or 12 verses, I don't remember. But um, I encourage you to read that whenever you can. And uh, the title that we've given tonight's fellowship is Divinity and Humanity. Okay, so... Um, what do these words mean? We could say that divinity means God's nature or the divine nature, right? Divinity is divine nature, which is the nature of God. And humanity is the human nature, the nature of man, right? So tonight we're going to see both of these natures embodied in one person. So divinity and humanity. And this begins with uh, the first two verses in Psalm 100, 110. Because in these verses we see David calling Christ his Lord. Um, so it says, uh, verses 1 and 2, Jehovah declares to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jehovah will send forth the scepter of your strength from Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. So in these verses, we don't really explicitly see David, right? We don't explicitly see Christ. But we know that these verses um, are from David, referring to Christ as his Lord, because it's quoted in Matthew 22 by none other than Jesus himself. So... In Matthew 22, this is verses 42-45, um, there are some Pharisees gathered and uh, it seems like the Lord approaches them and he asks them a question or a couple of questions. Uh, he asks them, what do you think concerning the Christ? Whose son is he? That's a pretty good question, right? And we're going to see that's really the, the question of questions. That's really the only question that matters in the universe. Whose son is he? What do you think of Christ? That's really all that matters. Your salvation is based on that. What, who do you think he is? Um, actually, before this, in Matthew 21 and the majority of Matthew 22, the Lord gets several questions. Actually, about four um, Four questions from four different people talking about four different things. One of them was, it's about religion, asking about, you know, authority. The other one is about politics. Like, should we pray, should we pay the taxes to Caesar or not, right? And it was a trap. All of these were traps. Uh, what, whatever way he answered, it was, they were going to trap him. But Jesus being Jesus always had the right answer, right? And he always knew what to say. And he also knew the way to say it. You know, sometimes that matters too, right? It's not just saying the right thing, but it's also how you say it, right? And the Lord knew exactly how to say it uh, or how to respond in the right way and in the best way. But then it was his turn to ask a question. And I love this because, uh, you, know, when the, you know, the Lord is God, right? He's, he knows everything. So when he asks a question, it must be pretty important. So he asked them, what do you think concerning the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, oh, David, he's David's son. And were they right? <laughs> Partially, yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we know that 
Christ was indeed the son of David because of Matthew 1.1. 1, 1, it says the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Christ was indeed the son of David. But he asked them that not because he was trying to get that answer out of them. He asked them because of this. He said, how then does David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, then he references Psalm 1101, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies underneath your feet. And this was his point. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? A very good question, right? So Jesus wasn't saying, well, you know, the Christ isn't the son of David. He's not saying that. But he was trying to show him, show them something more. See, the Pharisees were right. He, he was the son of David. But all, that's all they cared about. They cared about, you know, what the, the Bible said, which is good. I mean, that's better than not caring about what the Bible says. But they, they had their, their eyes so much on the Bible that they missed the Christ who was in front of them. And if they would have been with them, they would have seen his point. The disciples knew this, but the Pharisees didn't. And his point here in verse 45, how does David call him Lord? It's because if he were merely the son of David, there'd be no ground to call him Lord. But the reason David calls him Lord is because Christ is not only the son of David, but he's the son of God. Even David knew that. That's why in spirit he calls him Lord. Because David knew though the Christ that would come forth from him would be surely the son of David, but more importantly would be the son of God. So he could call him Lord in spirit. Um, so what do we see in and the whole point of this is here Jesus takes the opportunity to reveal another part of his person, which is that he's the son of David, the son of God, meaning that he's both man and that he's God. Humanity, divinity, right? We see that? Okay, if we don't see that, that's why we have point two. So point two says, Christ being the Son of God, divine, and the seed of David, human. So this is this is uh, comes from an awesome verse in Romans, one three through four. How about we all read that ver those two verses, Romans one three and four? Okay, the gospel of God concerning His Son, who came out of the seed of David, to the flesh who was designated Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness. Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, this is an awesome verse. Okay. So we have the seed of David again, right? That points to his humanity. We also see that that seed is according to the flesh, again, pointing to his humanity. But then what do we see? He was designated, not son of David, but what? Son of God, right? Again, pointing 
to his divinity. And then in power, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit of holiness. That's right. Again, referencing to his divinity. So this is, so I wanted to read a little note that I had here because it's so good. It says, um, before his incarnation, Christ, the divine one, was already the son of God. We know that. You know, he, he didn't, he wasn't a thing that became the son of God. He was the son of God, right? Who was in the bosom of the father. That's John 1.18. So he was already the son of God. By incarnation, so we have this word incarnation. He put on an element, the human flesh, which had nothing to do with divinity. So in incarnation, which it's awesome, the Lord chose to be birthed. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about that. He could have just zapped himself down as a 30-year-old. He could have. Why not? but he chose to go through the same process as every other man. Birth. Conception. Birth. Childhood. That's incarnation. And in that incarnation, he put on humanity, which had nothing to do with divinity. And that part of him, the humanity that he put on, needed to be sanctified uplift, and uplifted by passing through death and resurrection. So, in incarnation, divinity put on humanity. But in death and resurrection, that humanity was brought into divinity. So that's what we see in Romans 1, 3, and 4. The Son of God, right? The Gospel of God concerning His Son was also designated. What? If He's the Son, why did He need to be designated again? It's because incarnation he picked up something he picked up humanity and he brought that into glory into divinity so by resurrection he was designated the son of god with his humanity his resurrection was his designation so that designation is really referring to his resurrection so that's why we love the lord so much not just because he became a man not just because he died for our sins but also because he resurrected and he made a way for humanity to be brought into divinity. And this was who Jesus was. Then we have these verses, just re reiterating this, Matthew 1.18. You know, now the origin of Jesus Christ was in this way. Listen to this. His mother Mary. He had a mother. You know, he, he everyone has a mother. That's, that, again, referring to his humanity yet in that same verse before they came together she was found to be with child of the holy spirit so even in conception jesus had the divine essence because he was conceived by the holy spirit and again john 1 1 john 1 14 if we didn't need it any more clearer the word who was god was the word that became flesh what is that? That's God becoming flesh. So, in this person, Jesus Christ, we have divinity and we have humanity. That means that Jesus Christ was man. He was God at the same time. 
how that happened, that's maybe a discussion for another time. Um, but we can say this, that he's 100% man, 100% God. You know, he's not Hercules, half God, half man. He's fully God, fully man. Um, this is who Jesus is. And why this matters is for two reasons. Number one, we've talked about this before, but it's part of the fundamental Christian faith. You know, there's a lot of people that believe Jesus. They believe in him, right? I say quotes because they believed he existed. The Muslims believe he existed. Some Jews believe he existed. But you ask them, whose son is he? Very different, very different answer. But what must our answer be? Whose son is he? He's the son of God, yeah. That's who he is. It's part of our faith. It's like, you know, Matt, he's, he's talked about this before, right? We don't fight about many things, but that's one thing we ought to fight for. He is the son of God, and there's no wavering on that. Okay, the second reason why it matters, and this is where I think maybe applies to us the most, it's because um, seeing that he has these two natures puts into perspective how we, the believers, fit into God's purpose. See, if we don't have this view, it's hard to know what's happening to us. So let's look at point three. Let's all read point three, this one right here, Roman numeral three. Christ's divinity and humanity being duplicated in the believers. Duplication. I like the word. I didn't pick it, but I'm glad it's there. Here, let me scroll up a little bit. So, it matters that we see this because according to God's purpose, He wants a duplication of Christ. He wants... Not just one son, but many sons. And what does that mean? Does that, that means that Christ, his son, would be expressed in many, many sons. Right? Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God. Meaning there are many sons. There is such a thing. There are sons of God. There is such a concept. There is such a reality. I, I know maybe sometimes it doesn't seem like it because of the way we live, right? And the way we speak or think or whatever. But this is the fact. If you've believed, you're a son of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, right? You're flesh. You were born of the flesh. But guess what? You were also born of the spirit. What does that make you? Spirit. Uh, don't, don't look at me. <laughs> the Lord said it. <laughs> I don't have time to get into what that really means for us, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to present there is a reality that is invisible, that is hidden, that goes beyond what we see. And that's the fact. According to this verse, we are spirit, and according to Galatians 3.26, we are sons of God. That's, that's, that's our identity. That's who we really are. Okay, so back to God's purpose. So 
when God created man, right? We've talked about these verses before. He created man in a very particular way. How is that? You know, Sam? In spirit, yes. And it was according to, remember that? God made, let us make man in our, in our image and according to our likeness. So the fact that we are humans means that we have his image and his likeness. To some degree, we already look like him. To some degree, right? Okay. And the best way to explain this, um, I, I forgot to bring a glove. I kept telling myself to bring a glove. But I love the glove example because the glove... You know, you know what I mean by a glove, right? You put it on your hand, and it, and it looks like a hand, right? Well, it has the image of a hand. It's not a hand, right? It's not a hand. It can't do the things that a hand can do. But if you put the hand in the glove, then all of a sudden, the glove does what the hand does, right? If, if the hand moves the thumb, what does the glove do? It moves the thumb, right? right? Okay, so right now, we're all gloves. Actually, because we're believers, we're gloves, and we have the hand in the glove. But if you're not a believer, right, you've never believed in the Lord, you're just a glove, but with no hand. Right? That's, you're an empty glove. That means you were created to contain a hand, but you have no hand. So what does that mean? It means you're living a life with no purpose. But because we have the hand in the glove, our purpose has been fulfilled. And just as the glove expresses the hand, the sons of God express the Son of God. So look at Romans 8.29, because maybe you think, that's cool, but is that in the Bible? Look at this. Because those, he, those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. So, that means that this is our destiny. Our destination is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, His Son, including humanity and divinity. That's to the degree we are to match Him. Divinity and humanity. So we have this verse, 2 Peter 1.4, which says, through which he has granted us precious and exceedingly great promises that through these you might become partakers, listen to this, of the divine nature. That means, partakers means to participate, right? We're participants. We're shareholders. I like that for anyone that's into investments, right? You have a share of a business. You have a share of a capital. Well, we have a share of the greatest capital and that's the divine nature, we're partakers, we're enjoyers, we're receivers of God's very nature. And the rest of the verse is not here, but I thought it was very applicable. It says, having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. So I love this because, does anyone here have trouble escaping the corruption which is in the world? Yeah, me too, we're in the same 
We're all in the same boat. That's the rest of this verse. It's not on here. But the way to escape, this is, and this is the point, the way to escape is not by rules. It's not by, Sam, don't go to Northgate. That's not, that's not how it works. It's by the divine nature. The partaking of the divine nature is the means by which we escape the corruption in this world. It's not, Logan, don't watch that movie. It's not how we escape. It doesn't work. You know why? If someone tells me not to watch the movie, I want to watch it more. So how do we, how do we escape? It's by partaking of the divine nature which is in our spirit. So, I, so I, I'll go back full circle to this question. What do you think concerning the Christ? Whose son is he? This is the way to partake of the divine nature. Because the Pharisees, remember, they had the answer, right? They, they got asked the question and they had an answer. But they missed the living person of Christ right in front of them. So if I go around telling Kenneth, this is what you need to wear. Sam, this is what you need to watch. This is what you don't need to do. Where's Christ in that? I'm not Christ. Why are you asking me? Christ is in you. You can ask him that. And he wants to, he, he's been waiting to have this conversation with you. He's been waiting, he's been counting the days that you would tell him, Lord, what about this? Lord, what about that? You know, for example, uh, I like to use this example because it's, it's really, it's silly, but for me, it's a big deal. It's, um, if, you know, if you go to church with me, you, you'll know that sometimes I wear a tie, right? On Sunday mornings, I, I wear a tie sometimes. And the reason I wear a tie sometimes, it's not because I think it's fashionable. Maybe Cindy does because she was a fashion design major, but I don't. I don't think it's fashionable. But I wear a tie because I think Sunday, you know, is, is the most important day of the week. It's the first day of the week. It's the day of the Lord, right? On and on and on. And, and, then there's a, and then we have a meeting, you know, communion or the Lord's table. And I think it's the most important meeting. So I think, well, I need to show up, wear something nice. The Lord is going to be there. You know, the body is going to be there. I should wear something presentable, right? That's pretty, pretty logical, don't you think, Sam? Logical? Yeah, right, yes. That's my thought. That's, that's my thought. It's, and, and then there's, but, but hold on. Here's the thing. I have an exception. I have a rule. I only wear a tie from November to March. You know why? Because it's too hot. The rest of the year is too hot. Because I don't want to sweat at 10 a.m. when it's 85 degrees. So you, that's pretty reasonable, right? That's reasonable to not wear a tie during the summer. In Texas, right? That's, that's, are we in all agreement that it's reasonable? Okay, here's the problem with that, though. If I live my life like that, with everything, logical and reason, re- reasonable, what I express is logic and reason. Which I guess is good, right? It's better than being illogical than, and unreasonable, right? The problem is I wasn't predestined to be conformed to reason and logic. I wasn't predestined to be conformed to religion. Predestined to be conformed 
to rules and tradition. I was predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, should I wear a tie to this meeting? Should I wear a tie to solid ground? I don't know. You know who knows? The son. The son knows. Right? How long should my hair be? The son knows. Pants or a skirt? I think Cindy was asking me this about someone. The son knows. <laughs> right? So, do you see the point? Right? The point is, the way we make this practical, partaking of the divine nature, which is in us, is by living to the person of Christ that's real. He's here. He's present. And he wants to engage in us in all of these things because this is our destiny, that, that we would be those that are conformed to his image and ultimately be his expression, his magnification, and I love this word, his duplication. So that when people see us, it's Jesus, again, living on the earth, spreading, right? Spreading his life, spreading his image, spreading his nature. Okay, so I think with that, I, can, I would just end here.